Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Thank you guys for showing up. As Leroy said, we're going to make this really fast. And I'm also catching the load shedding (laughs) virus now that I'm here. I can't wait for my electricity to come back, hopefully in the next five minutes. But thank you for joining us. Um, As you know, Leroy has been doing these classes continuously on the first Thursday of every month. We moved it to today because last week he had load shedding. And as he said, we're going to go very, very fast. So I'm not going to take up any more time. Uh, You're allowed to ask questions. Maybe because of the time factor today, we only have about 50 minutes, 55 minutes maximum. Please just post in the chat and then we'll come back to the question. Okay, that's good. So thanks, thanks, Vangile. Um, so hi guys, welcome. So what is this? Our second or third, third session, eh? Um, third session, I think. Third session. Okay, so let's see. Okay, you guys know me. Um, you know what I do, so I'm gonna move through that quickly. All right, so last time we covered power team. Okay, someone accept that, um, Lydia. Who's accepting people coming in? Admit. Can you guys admit Lydia there? We have. We're, oh. She's already admitted. It's Penny and myself. We're admitting people. Okay. She's already... I can't. So, so last time we spoke admitted. about um, core power team, right? And we spoke about the professional team. So you guys are clear. Today I want to talk about running the numbers. Um, so we're going to take you through basic calculations. We're going to take you through how to calculate the gross yield, how to calculate your cash flow, how to calculate losses there, return on investment. So we're going to take you through a couple of basic calculations. These are basic calculations that you need to know if you want to invest in property, right? If you do not know these calculations and you can't do the calculations, you are not an investor, you are a gambler. <laughs> okay. And most people have challenged with these numbers. So, but these are basic figures. Some of you might know them. Some of you might say, Leroy, this is very basic, but these are the basic numbers. They, obviously, you there's when you go into the bigger deals, there's debt cover ratios, there's IRRs, there's cap rates, there's all these complicated things. Um, but these are the basic ones that any deal that you find. These are the basic calculations that you run to make sure that the deal will work. Okay. So are you running the numbers or does the numbers make you run? Let me see in the chat box quickly. Are you running the numbers or does the numbers make you run? Let's see. Anyone, anyone good with numbers? Yeah, I've got my chat box open. So let me know quickly. Good with numbers. Yes, 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 yes. We have a few accountants on you. No one. So the running the numbers, so so when running the numbers, there are three stages, right? In the buying costs. So when you buy a property, there's buying costs involved, right? And I'm gonna go through each of the stages and and, and what costs are involved in them. Then there's stage two, this is your refurb and your holding costs. 
And this is where a lot of people lose money, right? It's on the, it's on the, the holding costs. So a lot of people will say, listen, I'm going to buy this property for 200000 I'm going to sell it for 500000 but they don't know that it's going to take them six months to a year to sell that property. So in that time, there's holding costs involved and they don't, they don't take that into, into consideration. And that's where a lot of people lose money is in stage two, which is the holding cost. Recording and in stage, progress. And then there's stage three, which is your, you're either going to rent out the property or you're going to sell it. There's costs involved there, right? Stage one, buying costs, you're buying the property, costs involved. Stage two, refurb, you're holding the property. Now you're going to let it out and you're going to resell it. So there's costs involved there. So let's go through your capital costs, which are your stage one costs. These are the costs involved when you buy a property. Okay. Transfer attorney fees. Ha, ah, you guys, that's basic, right? Transfer attorneys. Now, your transfer attorney fees, you can download the app Uber. Um, there's a flood of these apps. You can get it on property 24, private property. You put it in, my property is worth a million and it will calculate an estimated transfer fees, right? Transfer duty. If your property is over a million, there's transfer duty involved. If it's under a million, there's no transfer duty involved, right? Your bond attorney fee. So you're, if you're getting a bond, you've got your bond attorneys, okay? They've got fees, the bank's attorneys, and then you have either the seller or your attorneys, which are the transferring attorneys. There's two attorneys if you have a bond. There's deposit. If you don't get a 100% bond, you get 90% bond, 80% bond, you have to pay a deposit. Okay, so that's fees. If you're buying at an auction, okay, you have to make sure if you're buying at a sheriff's auction, there are outstanding rates and taxes. So if you're buying at an auction, you are liable for the previous owner's debt. So whatever they owed on rates, taxes, levies, you owe that now. So that's when you're buying at a sheriff's auction. Okay. So you need to you need to 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 know what that fees are before you go to an auction because you're liable. Now you're liable for the law. First, we were liable. When I started, I started buying at auctions and we were liable for, for all the outstanding rates and taxes. Whether it was five years, the, the new buyer was liable. Now we're only liable for the last two years and whatever's, whatever debt, rates, taxes, and is, is that's older than two years, that stays on the previous owner's account. Okay? So this is if you're buying at auctions. Um, sheriff's auction. Sheriff's commission, sorry, sheriff's commission. So if you're buying at a sheriff's auction, you pay the deposit, which was 10% immediately. You have to pay the sheriff's commission. That's anything from about 400 to about 15,000, depending on the on the, the price of the, the, the property, okay? Then also the rates, okay? And if you get a private auction, the private auction near commission. So private auction is less riskier than a sheriff's, auction but there's also commission that you have to pay to the to the to the to the auctioneer okay i'm not looking at the comments so vangile if there is something you want to throw in quickly the year then or let me go through all the stages and then we'll take the comments at, at the end is that okay okay so yes, it's okay. Sorry, I was muted. I just wanted to say people have responded to the numbers. They said, yes, some people are saying no. They ask it. Uh, uh, the, some people are saying the numbers make them run. Some people are saying, yes, they run the numbers. But yeah, mainly they make you run. <laughs> <laughs> they do, and, they, and they're quite simple. Eh? They When you Obviously, you need to go through them a few times, right? And that's why when you're starting out, 
when you do run the numbers, get someone to double check you, okay? Get a coach, get someone to double check you and run the numbers on a lot of properties. Even if you, even if it's not a good deal, run the numbers, run the numbers. You keep doing it. It's like, hey, cause um, it's like, it's like, it's like mats or like, like, like golf, right? If you, if you don't do it, it leaves you. If you, the, the, hey, you can, the, the, someone just told me on the golf course, they said, um, if you leave it, it also leaves you. Hey, so, 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 so keep doing it. Even if it's on the rubbish deals, keep running the, run the numbers on your own house, run it on a lot of properties and, and then it gets easier. You know what I, what, what I would do if I was you as well? Um, take screenshots of this. Uh, so you have it because when I started out, I, I, I had a manual that I had way back. So I used to keep on going back. So I, I used to have it in my car or have it in a bag. Then everywhere I go and listen, how do I work out gross yield? And I forgot. I would go back to the book and do it like that. All right. Stage two, refurbishment and holding stage. So this is where people lose money. As I said, they say, I'm going to buy it for a million rand. I'm going to rent it out for 10,000 rand. They don't know that, that to buy it, now you've got it. You refurbish it. That's two months, three months. You rent it out. You find a tenant in another month. So now you have four months of holding costs, okay? Which you didn't calculate in your, in your calculations. And now you're thinking you're making money, but you're not actually making money because it's that time where it's... Where, where you have all these 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 costs and you didn't you didn't you didn't um, factor in so your cost here your rate in taxes okay you have to pay rate in taxes while there's no tenancy or you're still looking for a buyer your electricity and water you have to pay that so you have to know how much that is your bond and your interest so if you're taking out a bond you have to pay a bond before you sell it or while you're still waiting for tenants to come in or your and your interest refurbishment how much is that how much is it to get this property to the to to get it to the um how much is it going to cost you to refurbish this property levies if you're in a sectional title there'll be levies involved insurance it's a cost that you need to factor in okay so these are so these are simple guys as i said these are just your i'm going to take you to, to the calculations now i am moving quickly but as i said Take a screenshot or photo of it. So your refurbishment cost while you're holding it, before you sell or before you rent it out, um, rates and taxes, electricity, water, bond and interest, refurbishment, levies and insurance. And we always, as an investor, we always think that we're going to sell it quicker than what we are. We're going to let it out. Sometimes it lets out if you did bought the right property in the right area at the right price. Um, then everything should go quickly. But sometimes it just doesn't happen as planned, right? You think I'm going to buy it and sell it immediately and it takes you six months or you sit with it for a year or it takes you a few months before you find tenants or before you find the right tenants, right? You need to know what costs are involved in it. Okay, stage three. Now you've bought the property, you've refurbished it, you've factored in your holding costs. Now you either want to rent it out or you want to sell it, okay? Let's see what the costs involved there are. So now you have your bond bond and interest, right? Or interest. And because you've taken a bond out of it on this property, right? So you have to pay your bond. You have to pay your insurance. Still your rates and taxes. Your levies, if it's in a sectional title. 
your maintenance. Remember, now you've, you're, you, you, you're renting out the property, you have to factor in maintenance. Okay. And we normally put some people, we put normally about a, out of your rent, so we put about an eight to 10% aside for maintenance. Okay. Because um, you are going to have maintenance. Tenants will move in, tenants will move out after a few months. You need to do maintenance, you need to paint um, taps. Taps will, will break and whatever it is. Um, so you need to factor in your maintenance. Management. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Leroy. Are you going to tell us the percentage of each thing? Like how much percentage do we have to factor for maintenance, percentage for management, what we need to be looking at in terms of factoring in things, how much of the rental income we put aside for maintenance? Okay, out of your, I'll, I'll get to I'll get to cash flow. I'll get yeah, I'll do that when you okay. do the cash flow calculations. Just to remind me to tell you the exact, the exact. I'll, I'll show you an example. So I'm gonna put in an example of a property. Okay. If you buy it for eight hundred thousand, you rent it out for ten thousand minus this, and I'll tell you the percentages. Now I'm okay, not now I'm telling you what what costs are involved. Obviously, these costs will be different for different properties. So just make sure you. When you, when you do buy a property, you know that these are the costs that are involved. Let me find out what these costs are. When you, um, when you rent a property, make sure you, when you hold it, make sure you factor in those costs. When you let it out or sell it, um, make sure you know that these are the costs that will be involved. Bond, insurance, rates and taxes, levies, maintenance, management. Okay, now you're going to sell it. Let's say you're into flipping. You want to buy it and sell it. Mistake that people make, they say, I'm going to buy it for 500,000, I'm going to sell it for a million. But they don't know that you don't, you are not a, into, you are not in the market. You don't have clients. How are you going to sell your property yourself? So you are probably going to give it to an estate agent. An estate agent is going to charge you anything from, from 5%. Let's say you find these attorneys 30%. Let's say anything from 5% to 7.55, that's excluding VAT. Okay, so now you need to say, okay, I'm going to buy it for 500. I'm, I'm going to have a holding cost in that time, which let's say that's 50,000. I'm going to sell it for a million, but on a million, I'm going to pay 5 to 7.55% commission as to come down from that. And that only once you've minus that, that'll come to me. Not I'm going to buy it for 500 and sell it for a million and make 500,000. Okay, you're not, an agent is going to sell it. And you're gonna have some holding costs involved in it, right? So factor in your your commission, your estate agent commission, if you are gonna sell it, flip it. So those are the those are the costs involved for stage three, guys. I know I'm moving fast. Maybe we can cover it again. Now your fundamental calculations. So these are the calculations that you need, right? Your basic calculations, gross yield. Cash flow, capital costs, return on investment. And we're going to use the cash flow in this example that I'm going to show you. We're going to use the cash flow calculation and the capital cost to, to, to determine what your ROI is, your return on investment. Okay. So, firstly, so your gross yield, you use your gross yield to determine whether a property will cash flow or not. It's a quick calculation to determine whether this property 
will cash flow or not. Now your gross yield calculation, right? You do not make buying decisions on your gross yield calculation. It's just an indicator to tell you whether I should investigate further. Does that make sense, guys? I can't see the comments and I'll keep, I'm asking questions, but I can't see um, what you guys are saying. So, um, but that's fine. So gross yield is not, you don't it's make quiet. I think people quiet. are trying to figure out uh, uh, writing and focusing. Okay. <laughs> Um, so your gross yield is a calculation to see if a property will potentially cash flow. You do not make a buying decision. A gross yield calculation tells you if your gross yield is a certain amount, which I'll tell you now, then you know it might be a good deal. Let me investigate further. Okay. If the yields look good. Now you say, okay, let me move quickly. It looks like a great deal. If it's bad, you can say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time going to look at this property or going in for does that make sense? So this calculation will save you a lot of time. You can also use this calculation if you're looking to analyze an area. Now you'll take a lot of the properties in the area. You'll do the gross yield calculations and you'll see where the yields are in that area. If all the yields are low, then you don't even, you don't even investigate further in that area, okay? Because the yields are low. The yields are high. Then you say, this is a good area to go invest in, okay? Your cash flow calculations is a simple calculation that will determine whether the property cash flows. Uh, not cash flow. It's, so your gross yield says it can potentially cash flow. Your cash flow calculation will show you whether it really cash flows. Okay. Then you have your capital costs and your but you make buying decisions on your return on investment. Your return on investment is the money that you put into the deal. How much? What's my return on the capital that I put? in the deal. So let's use example, let's say you get a, you get a, you buy a property for a million. Okay, you get a 900,000 bond. You need a deposit for 100,000, your attorney fee, let's say your deposit and your attorney fees are all 100,000. Let's just use um, basic numbers. The money that you put into that property is not a million, you've just put 100,000 of your money into that, your capital cost. So you're going to work out your return, not on the million, you're going to work out your return on the 100,000 rand that you put in, okay? Let me, so let me use examples. So your gross yield calculation. So these are the calculations. As I said, screenshotted. Um, okay, two me's in here. Your annual, so your gross, calculation, gross yield calculation is your annual gross rent. So annual gross rent. What's your annual gross rent? That'll take your monthly gross rent. For this, for this, for the example here, we're going to use 10,000. So you'll say 10,000 times 12 will give you an annual gross rent. That would be divided by the property price. Let's say you bought the property for 800,000 in this example. So you, you bought it for 800,000, you're renting it out for 10,000. You'll say 10,000 times 12 annual gross rent divided by the property price, 800,000 times 100, that will give you your gross yield, okay? Now, let's say for this example, as I said, your rent, you can do the calculation, guys, you can do it as well, eh? Do the calculation um, where you are, take 10,000, your monthly rent, okay? Times 10,000 by 12, that will give you your, your annual gross rent, Okay, that will be 120,000. 
what's happened to my thing here? Okay, but that's fine. Um, so monthly event of 10,000 times 12 will give you 120,000, okay? That's your gro annual gross event for this example. Then you divide that by a purchase price. For this example, we bought the property for 800,000. We're renting it out for 10,000. So 10,000 times 12, 120 divided by your by the purchase price of 800,000. You times that by 100 and that will give you your gross yield of 15%. Bangile, is there a quick question on this one before I move on? Quite simple. Oh, I'm also engrossed in making my own notes. <laughs> I see no questions whatsoever. Right. Guys, feel free to type in the chat box. Now, as I said before, I said gross yield is just an indicator as to whether property will give you a positive or a negative cash flow. I'm going to repeat that. Gross yield is just an indicator as to whether a property will give you a positive or a negative cash flow, okay? And we invest in property for what? Cash flow. That's what we invest in property for, okay? Cash, flows, cash flow is what's going to pay after a few properties. That's what will replace your salary. Cash flow will make you um, be able to travel to Mexico and learn um, Spanish, right? And, and not worry about income because you have a few properties that's giving you cash flow and that cash flow rep replaces your income. And now you do not, now you do not, you choose whether you want to work or not because the properties and the cash flow from the properties replaces your income. And that's when you are financially free. Okay. And over time, that's what property does. Not a get rich quick scheme, but over time, you can get financially free if you buy the right properties um, that cash flows, okay? Now, what is important here is that uh, our current interest rate prime is at 8.25%, right? Now, if your, if, the, if your gross yield is between one and 14%, okay? That's an indicator that tells you that this property will will be a negative cash flowing property. Okay. The gross yield is between one to 14. You, that's an indicator. As I said, we don't make a buying decisions. It's an indicator to say, this property will pro probably be a negative cash flowing property. If your gross yield is 15% and above, it's an indicator that says this property will be a positive cash flowing property. What does that mean? Positive cash flow means your rent comes in, right? Covers your bond, covers your other expenses. And at the end of that, there's a positive profit or cash flow. That's all cash flow means. Income minus expenses gives you a positive number. Okay. Now, what if a property, let's say you get you do your gross yield calculation and the calculation comes in at about 13%, 12%, whatever. Now you can say, okay, let me investigate further. Maybe the rentals are low. I might be able to increase the rentals. Maybe there's a granny flat that I can add on that will give me another income. Are you guys with me? So I would say 
Do not take this as a gospel and say, if it's under 15%, I'm not looking at it. Say, listen, it's between, it's between 12 and 15 or it's there. Let me, let me investigate further. Maybe the, the, maybe the rentals, I can push it up, which will take it to 15 plus. Maybe I can add another unit. Maybe I can add some value that will increase the income and then it will be a positive cash flow. Okay. Um, normally I spend more time on this, guys. I don't like being so rushed. It's like, because <laughs> um, this needs a bit more time to, but as I said, Leroy, go, yeah? can I make a suggestion? Take your time and wherever we end, we'll continue in a few weeks. It's another two or three weeks because we delayed. So don't worry about load shedding. Where we end at like 7.55 p.m., it, it's where we'll end and then we'll continue next time. It also mm -hmm. gives us time to just process. We don't have to rush. We really believe in doing things super slow and easy here. So mm -hmm. please don't, don't worry about the time and try to fill us with as much information as possible. Just, yeah, <laughs> give us time to breathe. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. Um, as I said, guys, maybe what we do is we do two sessions of this because this is this is the most important thing, actually, because this is going to determine whether you're going to buy successful deals or not. All right. And obviously. Before you get into anything, you want to make sure that you run the numbers, run it, stress tested, let a coach, let someone who understands it, check it in the beginning stages. Um, some people have spreadsheets. We have spreadsheets that we put in that, that now these are manual. You can get a spreadsheet that, that, that does all these calculations for you. Right? Um, so gross yield, an indicator to whether property will be a positive or negative cash flowing properties. Negative cash flowing properties, your yields are potentially between 1% and 14%. If it's between, let's say, but now you know, let's say, let's say your yield comes out at 10%, right? But you know this is a huge yard. It was a family house, it has a house, it has a garage, it has two, two granny flats in, and one family was staying in. So you know if you rent out the house alone, you can rent it out for 10,000, let's use it. But if I convert the garage and put another 2,500 on there, now I have 12,500. If I put another person in the granny flat, now I add another 3,500. Put someone in this one, now I've got another 3,500. Now I've added another 9,000 to this property, okay? But if I rent it out to one family, it's, it's a negative cash flow. The yields are low. But if I made it cut a multi-let, then it increases the income. Now my yields go up. Now it's a good deal. So this is not gospel, right? This is just tells you now we're going to investigate further. Okay, if a property comes out and it's a negative cash flowing properties and the yields are below 10, and you say, listen, this is a one bed flat or two bed flat or whatever, and there's nothing you can do to it, then you're like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time going. I'm not going to drive to Santon or I'm not going to drive to, to, to Boxburg or to Cape Town, whatever, because the yields are just terrible. And what you'll find is your yields are normally higher in the areas that are, um, what can I say? The areas which, which are lower income areas, if I can say that. So let's say in Santon, you buy a property for two, three million, okay? 
but you can only rent it out for uh, 15,000 or 20,000, right? Your yields are normally higher in your Johannesburg CBDs, in your Boxburgs, in your Kempton Parks, then what? It, then then in Cape Town, in your in your Santons, in your Bedford Views, in your um, waterfalls, in your um, what's another place in Midland, right? So because you'll find that someone will buy a house for five million, but they can only rent it out for. 35,000, 40,000, right? The rental does not cover all the expenses, but then you'll find you buy a property in Berea, you buy a flat for 250,000 and you can get 6,000 for your rental. That makes sense. So some of these good areas, which are your, your camps base, your, your Cape Towns, your, 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 your Bedford Views, your Santons, your, your Midlands, your um, all these fancy areas are not good for investing. They call it fool's gold. It looks nice, but you don't make money from it. There's no cash flow in these properties. So where you want to look at, you want to look at, maybe you want to write this down, you want to look at properties that the average person can afford to buy and the average person can afford to rent. That's where the money is. That's where the numbers are. Properties that the average person can afford to buy and that the average person can afford to rent, okay? And the mistake I made in the beginning was that, that because I don't want to live there, I think it's a bad area. But it's actually a great area because there's so many people that want to live there and can afford to live there, not be, meaning that I don't want to live there, but it's, it's actually a great area for investment, but it's not a great area for me to live in. Make sense? Like your, your, your best area, your, your, the, the best yields in the country is in Berea. The best, one bedroom flat in Berea, you get the most returns in the country. That's your best buy. You, I don't want to live in Berea, right? But... There's big demand in there. So if I buy a one bedroom flat in Berea, I'll get the best return for my money than anywhere else in the country. But I don't want to live in Berea, but I'll buy a flat in Berea, right? Big demand, property prices are still low, rentals are high, right? Demand and supply. A lot of people want the property, rentals go up. That is, you guys know how that works. All right, let's move on. Cash flow calculations. This is simple. So your cash flow calculation is simple. It's your monthly income. Your rental, for this example, it's 10,000 uh, minus your monthly expenses equals your cash flow, your monthly profit. Okay, simple. Income minus expenses. I'm going to tell you now what all the expenses are. I put the rental and other income. So you might have, let's say for these buildings, I put the rental coming in, right? Let's say I might have an advertising board up there, which I also get money from. I might get parking. You might pay for parking. So that's another stream of income. I might do a deal with the fiber company and say, listen, guys, these people are paying you 30, 400 rand. I want, uh, I want 50 rand or 100 rand on, on every fiber package that you, that you give out. That's another source of income. Make sense? So rental income minus your expenses. So for this example, 
Your gross income is 10,000 for this example, right? Your bond, you got a bond in this property, at 6,000, you're paying 6,000 bond. That's an expense. Your rate in taxes is 500. That's another expense. Sectional title, your levies is 500. Now you guys are saying, no, it can never be that. And I know it's just an example. Don't say levies can never be that. Rates can never be. It's just an example that I put together for, for this. Um, management fee. So normally for management, right, I would put a 10% management fee in there in my calculation. Write down 10% management fee. You can negotiate them down, okay? Some people are 10%, some people are 5%. Currently I'm paying 6% for my management fee, right? But I've got quite a few properties so I can negotiate it down. If you want one, they'll probably charge you 10% on average. Some people are 10% including that, some are 10% excluding that. But if I do my calculations, always do it on the worst case scenario, put 10% excluding that. Okay, for every, so when you rent out, say, when you do your calculations, say, okay, I'm management fee, I'm gonna pay 10%. Now you're gonna say, listen, but I'll manage it myself. And I'm gonna save that thousand, it's fine. If you've got one or two properties, you can manage yourself. If you get to 30, if you get to five, we get to 10, now it becomes a full-time job managing these properties. And for my, the goal eventually for properties to get you free, not to give yourself another job. And if you manage it yourself, a tenant pays a hundred and short. Like now I've got, I've got three tenants, one paid 400 and short, one paid 500 and short, one paid something like 800 and short. Now, if I was managing this myself, now I need to send an invoice. I need to, I need to phone them. I need to send an email. I need to put them on TPN for 400 rand, right? How many, how much time is it going to take for me to, I'd rather go play soccer, go to gym or, or understand, then, then chase someone for 400 rand or 200 rand that they, that, they, that they didn't pay that month. But anyway, you decide that's, as I said, this is not about management. You just work a 10% management fee in there. Operating cost and voids. Now your maintenance, you're going to have to, tenant moves in and out, you're going to have to paint it. A tap um, breaks, there's whatever, electric fence, you have to send out an electrician for something. So what you do is you put a monthly fee away of 10% for your, for your ma ma maintenance and your voids. Okay. So if a tenant moves out, you can, you can paint the, 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 the unit or the house, whatever it is you're buying. And then your voids, so tenants move in and out, you maybe have it vacant for a month or a few weeks or two months, then you know that is factored in, okay? That is in a separate account. Now you've got your monthly cash flow. So for the next example, 10,000, bond is an expense, your rate in tax is an expense, sectional title, levies. If it's not a sectional title, levies comes up. Management fee, 10%. Monthly operating costs or expenses, Maintenance and voids another ten percent. So for this example, you're getting a thousand rand out of it, right? Your cash flow. So this is simple: income minus expenses. Okay. Now let's work out your most important calculation. All of them are important because you can't do this calculation if you don't have the other figures. Now you know what your yields are. You're looking into a property. You worked out your cash flow. You know you're getting a thousand rand positive cash flow. Now you know what you spent when buying the property. You have those fees. Okay, so your capital costs, your total one-time expenses incurred in purchasing and fixing up, fixing up a property to be able to sell. 
So for this example, right? Your capital costs, your transfer costs, your bond registration costs is 40,000, okay? There's no transfer duties. The property is 800,000, that's under a million. There's no deposit here, okay? You got 100% bond. You wanna refurbish the property that costs you 60,000. So for this example, your capital cost one-time fees when buying is 100,000, okay? Now you're saying, okay, I spent 100,000, okay? Now I'm going to work out my return on investment. So of my own money, not the bank's money. The bank's money is other people's money. It's the bank's money. Your own money, you put 100,000 in, okay? Now you're saying, okay, what's my... So the calculation for this is my annual net profit. So for this calculation, what's your annual net profit? It will be your cash flow minus your expenses will give you a thousand and monthly profit. It's annual. So you times that by 12. That'll give you your annual net profit. So your annual net profit will be your cash flow times 12. For this example, that's 12,000. Okay. Sorry, Leroy, there's a request to go back to the previous slide. Um, I think it's this one or let me see. Uh, uh, it's the capital code slide with the screenshot. Paga was saying that. I think maybe this is it. Is this the one? Yes, maybe this one. I don't know. Capital cost calculation. Well, so this is your one-time cost when buying a property. Yeah. So you spent... This is just an example, right? So you've spent, we, we, we put these numbers also so that we can show you, so I can show you and so that we can show, I can show you how to work out um, the, the return on investment. Got it? Capital costs, um, transfer costs, bond fees, 40,000. There's no transfer duty. The property is under, we're using an example of 800,000 here. There's no deposit. You've got 100% bond on this property. You spend 60000 to refurbish it, make it look nice. So you've put in of your own money, 100000 okay? Mm -hmm. Are we going to work out your return on investment? Okay, so you've put 100000 in this property, okay? Now we're going to work out your annual net profit. So your rent comes in. You've refurbished this property. You've rented out now. You bought it uh, for 800000 You've put in 100000 of your own money, all right? You're renting it out now. You're renting this property out for 10000 Well done. Ha, you've got a tenant. Tenant comes in. Tenant says, listen, Angile. Angile says, I've got 10000 Tenant says, I'm happy. I'll rent it for 10000 Bangile has a bond of 6000 which she has to pay to EPSA or NetBank or Standard Bank, right? So she says, okay, I'm getting my rental of 10000 I have a bond on this property, 6000 6,000 goes to the bank. I have to pay the municipality. Rates in Texas, 500. It's, in a, it's a sectional title, so I have to pay my levies of 500. I'm not managing myself. A managing company is managed for 10%. 1,000 rand goes to them. Um, I'm putting away 1,000 rand every month for my operating costs, which is my maintenance and my voids. Okay? After expenses, I'm making a profit of 1,000 rand. Now, some of you, that's exciting. Some of you, that's not exciting. Depends where you are. But at least you're making a profit, right? It's not negative. Okay. 
Now you're saying, I want to work out my return on investment. Do I do this deal or don't I do this deal? Currently, a thousand rand monthly profit. You're just saying, okay, it's positive, but I'm still not, it's still not telling me whether I'm going to do this deal or not. Okay. Now you take your thousand rand, which is your monthly profit. You times it by 12 to, to give you an annual net profit. That's 12%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you say 12,000 will give you 12,000 divided by your capital cost. What was your capital cost? The money that you put into the deal. These are under a thousand. Annual net profit. For this example, it's your thousand rand cash flow profit times 12 to give you an annual. You'll divide that by a hundred thousand, the money that you put into this deal times a hundred will give you your return on your investment. For this example, your return is 12% on, on your hundred thousand. For your growth, remember your gross yield was your gross rent divided by the purchase price of the property. So your gross rent for this example was 10,000 times 12 gives your annual, your gross rent was 120,000 divided by the, by the purchase price of the property was 800. For your return on investment, you take your, your gross rent minus your expenses, it'll give you your cash flow, right? Times 12 to make it annual divided by the money that you put into the property, which is 100,000 times 100, will give you 12%. 12%. Now you determine, if I keep my money in the bank, what do I get? I get 6% minus fees, probably get like 3% in the bank or less. You're losing money, right? What is inflation? Inflation is crazy. I don't even know what it is right now. It's, it's just... And, and, and 6.5. Inflation. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's a lot higher than that currently. Um, with the petrol prices and the food going up and the thing is just crazy. Um, so that's 6% mm -hmm. minus. We can actually halve that actually in the bank. Make it about 3%. The banks will always lie to you. So they say you get this amount, but then there's these fees and those fees and these charges and those charges. and Right, so now you're saying for the property... If in the bank, I get 6%, but if I put my money in this property, I get 12%. Now, this is where you make a buying decision where you say, where's my money working the hardest for me? Is it working the hardest in the bank or is it working hard in this property? Now I decide, do I buy this property or not? And this is not even taking into consideration capital growth because we don't invest in property for capital growth. Capital growth is a bonus. We invest for cash flow. Because okay, you can't determine with how much that property is going to go up in the next. On average, properties double every seven to 10 years, but who knows? Something can happen and then it just stays the same for a few years or prices actually go down. There's a squatter camp that comes up there. But this is, that's also important when analyzing an area. Maybe one of the sessions will look at analyzing an area, how to determine whether you're buying the area or not. So that's running the numbers, ladies. That That's a... Uh, um, a quick run through the basic fundamental calculations and the stages that involved. I think we've got five minutes for questions. Yes, we do. Load sharing really has trained us to be efficient. 
<laughs> so guys, you guys have any questions? I actually did have a question and then it slipped my mind. Oh yes, my one question to you, Leroy, was talking about the luxury property market. You said that there's, it's hard to make money in the luxury property market, but there are people that play in the luxury property market. So how do they make money in like, places like your Santon and other high-end places like Stellenbosch and places like that, Franchuk, how are they making their profit? Mm. So um, in, let's say someone left you Santon. So somehow some of them make money is that they'll, they'll buy, you can, you can buy, and let's say you, you buy these houses buy them and sell them that's how you can make money right by flipping properties you can also make money um you can make money by rental you just need to know what you're doing eh? because if you buy if you let's say you buy a building in boxburg before you buy my building you buy it for 10 million in boxburg that's 30 odd flats if you buy 30 odd flats in Sandton, you'll probably pay double that so now mm -hmm. the, you must make sure the rentals will the property price will obviously be high, but the rentals will also be higher. Yeah. Makes sense. So you need yeah. to do the same calculations. It's just easier to make money in your average areas. You also have more people that can afford the rentals where we are than what you can in these in these places. That's all you find. A lot of people that stay in Santon will rent, will stay, will, that, that work in Santon will stay in Randburg or somewhere because the, the, the rentals are cheaper there. But then there are people that stay in Santon, um, but obviously they pay that ridiculous rentals and they can afford that. But you have few people, fewer people there. Now, if you buy a property for 5 million and you rent it out to a family, if he defaults on one payment, how much have you lost? You've lost wow. thousand rand. Yeah. Okay. Can you afford to pay your bond of fifty thousand rand if the tenant doesn't pay for one month? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But if I if I have a property in Boxburg where I've got tenants paying five thousand, four thousand, six thousand, and one doesn't pay, right? Obviously, it's going to take me more property, but my risk is also lower. Mm. Right. So that's the thing. If you have, and it's more, it's, it's difficult to get in the market because you need a lot more money to get in there. So you can buy it for, you can go buy whatever you want for whatever you need, but you need to have the money for it. So start small, start where you can, start where most of the population is. We look at those those fancier properties, but mostly they don't make money. On average, they don't make money right? unless you Airbnb it out. If that is one of your strategies, and say, listen, I'm gonna Airbnb this out. It's a nice area. You can make money because now you're not charging per month. You're charging per day. It also depends on your strategy. What do you want to do? With? Buy to let don't work. Bah, finish and clap. Mm -hmm. Multi-lets, you can maybe say, okay, it's a big yard. I can build this. I can build two, three, four flats and make it work. You can if it's a, it's a freestanding house. 
Yeah. If it's in these areas, you can make buying and selling. You can, if you've got a lot of money to buy a property for two, three million and sell it. But there's also, you normally sit with these things for the bigger the amounts, the longer you sit with the property sometimes too. If you are flipping buying yeah. and selling. So those are some of the risks you need to think of. But for, and you need to understand that market, but for starting out, you start small. Start, start where you are. Eh? Yeah. The amount of money you can get and the experience you have. If you've got, make your mistakes with small amounts before you make big mistakes with big amounts. Yeah. Pelisa um, wants to know, Tando says you've simplified everything, so thank you. And Pelisa wants to know, can you, is it advisable to hold on to a property that has, I don't know if she means capital gains or maybe gross yield because she wrote capital gains that has a capital gains below 15% for four to five years. Um, so I'm thinking because we're talking gross yield, she probably means gross yield. So she's saying, is it advisable to hold on to that property? for four to five years. Okay. Just yeah. We only have a few minutes. <laughs> okay, there we go. Sorry, man, I just had to give some load shedding advice there before we stop, just before the lights go off. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can, you can, hold. can you afford to lose property, to lose money for four to five years? Hmm. Do that calculation. If you're losing a 2,000 rand every month on a property, you times that by 12, times 12 by 60 months and see if you can afford to do that. Hmm. Then, wow. <laughs> then do your, then you'll know, then if, you can, if you're willing to do that and hold it, then you can, if you can afford to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you hold it, eh? Or if you've got another plan to sell a hold for a few years, I can afford to pay extra two, three, five thousand in for five years. But do a calculation quickly. Some people say, no, no, hold the properties are good. Let's do a quick calculation. Um, ba, 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 ba. Take, take 2,000 times 12 times 60 months. That gives you, no, that's not right. 2,000 <laughs> times 12, okay, will give you 24,000. Okay, if you times that by mm. 60 months, is that right? 1.4 million. Oh, man. I don't know if I'm doing the right calculation now. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to switch off now. But it's... It's, it's 2,000 it's, times 12 times 5. And then, times, like, you'll Yes, times answer. 5. Sorry. <laughs> then you lose. You lose about 120,000. Sorry. Lose it. So now you decide, can I lose this money? Um what if I, if something happens to my income and I can't afford to feed this property 2,000 rand every month, then I lose it. Mm. But also 120,000 over five years is a down payment on another property in mm -hmm. five years. Exactly. So <laughs> some people say, no, but SARS, I'm using it for tax benefits. If a property doesn't make sense just with basic numbers, then don't do it for tax reasons. Then it probably doesn't make sense. No, if I lose 2,000, some guys will teach you. If you lose 2,000, you can claim it back from SARS. Nonsense. Mm. Those are for people that can afford to lose that money every. Right? They can deal with yeah. SARS. can get tax stuff. You're going to get the tax breaks anyway, not pay tax on it if you're renting it up. So 
So divide it down. If it's negative cash flow, just stay away from it. And if you're saying, mm -hmm. listen, but it's a good property, I know. Maybe they say something like, okay, I know there's a mall coming up. I know the airport is building things here. So probably prices are going to go up. And when it goes up, I bought it for 500. I'll sell it for, for 1.5 within three years. Why? Because I know what's happening with town planning. I know what's happening here. I'm confident that when it goes up in two years, I can afford to lose the 120 because I know I'm going to make 600,000 minus 120 and then I'll still make 400,000 and I can afford that 2,000. Then you can, then, but you must have a plan while you're losing money. If you're just losing money in Jenja, then, yeah. then it doesn't make sense. Wow. This was such valuable advice, guys. I think I speak for all of us when I say we learned a lot. I've been like scribbling away on the, about some of these things. I think like the very valuable advice also is the questions that people were asking. Pelisa, that was such an incredible question. Thank you, because it's been eye-opening, I think, for all of us. So guys, Thank you, everyone, for showing up. Leroy, thank you so much. We look forward to the August class. I think I speak for everyone here when I say, like, these classes are gold. And we are all, who are always looking forward for, to the classes. So, guys, if uh, I'll have this recording up. I will send the recording as usual by tomorrow morning when you guys wake up in South Africa. The recording will be up. Penny will send through the notes. <laughs> and then I'll post in the email and send everything out. Okay, without further ado, because I know we have like two minutes before load shedding and it's stressful for everybody. I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. And once more, just remind you guys that we have the, we're still fundraising for the deal with Umziwetu. So the last deal we gave them 566,000 or 568,000 rand a few weeks ago on the 2nd of July. So we are fundraising to give them uh, another a bit of money by the end of this month. And their return on investment is 17%. So 17% per annum. So remember that the last day to make your payments for that is July 24th, 2022. So yeah, thank you so much, guys, for showing up. Thank you, Leroy, for showing up. And if you have any questions about the stock file, how to make the investment from Zuwei to you guys, post in the WhatsApp group or message Penny. Have a fantastic day further or evening on your side, you guys. Like my day is starting. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, guys. All the best. <laughs> See you next month. Bye-bye. See you next month. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group 
or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vanille Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Listening property magicians. My name is Vanille Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host.